be for a period of time this evening. Uh, a few months ago, Pastor came to Brother Zach and I and said to us, he said, I'm going to um, have Brother Zach start preaching on the third Wednesday of every night, and then Brother John, I'm going to have you in there, and I'm going to go back to doing on uh, the first Wednesday of every night, go and be with the teenagers. And uh, praise the Lord for that. I, I love that. I love the idea that our pastor gets to spend some one-on-one time with just the teenagers, and I think that's a blessing and an encouragement. He said to us, he said, uh, you may want to preach a, a series, or maybe you want to just preach one message at a time as the Lord lays on your heart. I began to think and talk about that, and the Lord laid on my heart to preach a series. So if you weren't with us last month, let me catch you up really, really quickly uh, in this series. I preached a message entitled... Don't do as I do, or do as I do, not only as I say. I see, I messed it up there. Do as I do, not only as I say. We all know the old statement, do as I do, not what I, or do as I say, not what I do. I keep messing it up there. Do, do what I tell you to do, not as I do. But the truth is, is that we as Christians, Christian parents, Christian leaders, Sunday school teachers, even those of us in the church who are older in any way, in any capacity, we should be living a lives where our speaking and our preaching, so to speak, matches our actions. In other words, what we do should be what we say. And I, I think so often that when we come to the teenagers sometimes, we're ready to give them encouraging advice, we're ready to give them great truths, but then sometimes we don't always follow it up in our own lives. And uh, in Matthew 23, Jesus was speaking to the disciples, talking about the Pharisees, and he said to them, uh, paraphrasing, he said, look, what they say is good, do what they say, but, but don't do what they do. And I, I wonder if we haven't got to a point in our churches where we have some, I'm sorry, Pharisees who are teaching Sunday school classes and who are parenting because what they're doing is not matching what they're saying. Now, sitting here, and please do not say, go out those doors. Say, Brother John thinks we're a bunch of Pharisees. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, there's probably times in my life where I'm the Pharisee. And I don't want that to be the case. I think when we talk about some of the areas that we uh, experience those moments are some of the most common central core things that we talk about when we're a Christian, if we were to think about those things. We sure do have a lot of advice for teenagers when it comes to the will of God, but are we following the will of God? Are we searching for the will of God? The will of God is more than just an occupation, and so many of us as adults, we find an occupation, we assume we're in the will of God, and we move along. Well, there's more to it than that. What about our Bible reading? We encourage the young people to read their Bibles, be engaged, but do we read our Bibles? We tell them to study. Everybody likes to go to that passage of Scripture, and it, understandably so, it's in the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. But how many of our adults in the, in the church tonight would say, I know how to study the Word of God? It's a situation where we come to even the matter of prayer. Prayer is something that we all know we should do. Prayer is something that we would tell young people and teenagers and even down to the littlest child, pray. We encourage them to say their prayers before they go to bed and thank the Lord before their meal. But I wonder tonight if we, as we look at the, the, the matter and emphasis of prayer, are we really living lives of prayer? 
For just a moment, I told Brother Zach, I'm going to just engage this like I would the teenagers if we were in class. So imagine that you're in our, our teen class tonight, and I might ask a question. So how many of you would say you know of some cliche statements when it comes to, to, to your mind when, about prayer? You say, I, I think I know a few cliche statements or statements that are made commonly when it comes to prayer. You could think of some of those. You have some hands, okay? Would I have anyone willing to, to speak out and say, hey, here's, a, here's a, a statement or a cliche statement when it comes to the matter of prayer? Yes, sir. Okay, if you don't have a prayer list, you don't have a prayer life. I've heard that one before. Anybody else? Anybody else? How about this one? Prayer works. Yes, Miss Heather? Prayer changes things. Anyone else? It's a little different tonight. I know we're not used to on a Wednesday night speaking out. It's okay. We can get comfortable. We're church family here and, and glad of the visitors that are with us. And anybody else have one? Are you raising your hand or is your husband raising your hand for you? Pray hard, play hard. I've heard that one before about prayer and things. Anyone else? One more maybe? The family that prays together stays together. Those are all, those are all not bad statements. They're very much true statements. The matter of, uh, you know, we talk about prayer is, prayer is more than asking. But yet, how much of our prayer do we just spend in our time? We think we have a prayer life, but all we ever do is ask. And I wonder tonight, for just a moment, if you were to ask yourself this question, do I really believe some of those statements? Do I really believe in prayer? Prayer is something... That the Bible talks much about. In fact, I could give you some statistics or some facts if you would, would like, if you're one of those people. Did you know that there are over 650 prayers listed in the scriptures? Over 650 times we find someone, including Jesus himself, praying to God. It's amazing. That, that's, that's a large number of prayers in the Bible. We see in the Bible, we see that there's approximately around what, they, what they've went through. Somebody's done this. I haven't done the work personally, so you'll have to forgive me for not having a, uh, the firsthand experience. But 450 direct results, answers to prayer found in the Scripture. Meaning in the Scripture, God answers prayer directly 450 50 times. Now we know that God does answer prayer. There's another one of them sta- statements. God answers prayer. Well, what does that mean exactly? There's a lot of these statements that we, we don't necessarily have the full understanding, I think, sometimes. The first mention of prayer is not even in the word of prayer, but it says that men began to talk to God in Genesis chapter number 4 and verse 26. Uh, Seth had a son and he named him Enos, and from that time forward, men began to talk with God. That's what the Bible says. It's a, not a direct quote, but you can find it in Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 26 there. It's amazing to me that Paul himself mentions prayer 41 times in his epistles. Prayer was an important thing to Paul. Jesus is found praying 25 different times in his earthly ministry. The Almighty God, robed in flesh, prayed. We could spend time just talking about that. The Bible talks about different positions for prayer. Sitting, kneeling, standing, Bowed with one's face to the ground. And even in First, first Timothy, it talks about praying with hands lifted up to, to heaven. It's amazing to me that prayer is something that we talk about. It's something we know we should do. But yet, why does it sometimes seem like prayer is the very last 
thing we as Christians will do. Sure, we'll we'll probably read our Bibles more often than we pray sometimes. I'm not talking about prayer in the sense of let's sit down to eat our meal at the dinner table or get our McDonald's out of the drive-thru and as we're driving down the road saying, thank you, Lord, for this food. I'm not talking about putting our kids to rest. Parents, you put your kids to bed and laying down your kids to bed and putting their head on the pillow and say, okay, let's say our nighttime prayers. I'm talking this evening about a true life of prayer. Speaking about lives that are given to prayer. I think so often we, and again I say we, I know I'm guilty of this. We have talked so long about how we don't have to have a, a long formal prayer. We can pray as we're driving down the car. How many of you have ever heard a pastor say something along that lines? You don't have to be, right? We say those things. We talk about how prayer can be done anywhere and at any time and any place. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful that we have a God that we can go to at any point in time. But we have substituted intentional lives of time given to God in prayer because I can go to God anytime. And so by not making it a matter of emphasis, what we've done is we've actually de-emphasized the very thing that we talk that we should be doing. We can, we can, go, to, we can go to God in prayer anytime, but we don't go to God in prayer at all. Praying is one of the most misconstrued things in the Bible. Is it asking? Is it receiving? Is it talking? Is it praising? Is it supplication? Is it intercession? Well, we know, and many of us would say, well, it's all of those things. Absolutely. But truthfully, when we boil it down to, this is the truth. Prayer is just slowing down and spending time with God. And that's where we struggle the most. Slowing down and just spending time with God. And when it comes to this matter of don't just do as I do, or do as I say, but do what I do as well, let's be honest, parents. I want you to ask yourself this question. If you were to rate your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10, nobody has to call that out. Don't, don't, uh, don't say it out loud. But I wonder if you might write it down. If you take notes, write a number. Where would you, where would you put your prayer life between 1 and 10? Now let me ask you this question. If that's the prayer life that your kid will only ever have, how do you feel now? Meaning if my prayer life was a five and my kid's prayer life would only ever reach a five because of what my influence and example in, in, the, in their life is, I wonder how that would affect. Some of you in this room might say, well, I don't have kids. Okay, maybe you're married. Let me ask you a, a question, husbands. If you were to rate your prayer life one to ten... What if your wife's prayer life will never be better than your prayer life is? How would you feel? It's a thought-provoking thought if you really think about it. It, Remember, husbands, we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders in our home. We're the ones who are supposed to be leading the charge. We're the ones who are supposed to be out in front storming for God in battle and going forth saying, Family, come along, follow behind me. And how are we supposed to look at them and say, hey, you need to pray, you need to spend time in prayer, and yet our wives never see us on our knees before God praying, spending time in prayer, other than when we sit down at the dinner table or when something's going wrong and we really, really, really need God to intervene. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I'm not married. I I, I don't have kids. What about me? 
Let me ask you a question, church member. What if the church's prayer life was only as strong as your prayer life? How would you feel then? If you're not married in this room, but one day you, Lord willing, will be married, have you prayed for your spouse? Let me ask the question to married people in this room. Do you pray for your spouse daily? What about this? Do you pray for your children daily? Do they know it? Have they heard it? Now you say, wait a minute, Brother John. The Bible says we're not supposed to be like the publicans who get out into the, the public and, and our prayer is supposed to be seen. Yes, that's not talking about in the side of our homes. That's talking about going out and coming up here to church and standing up and saying, Oh, Heavenly Father, and being a display and a show of our prayer life for the purpose of our prayer life being seen. But what about for the purpose of our prayer life being exampled in the lives of of our children and our young people in our church and the young families that we have an opportunity to influence, then why, if that's the case, they shouldn't know our prayer? Why did God give us 650 times the prayers in the Scriptures? Because God knows, we've talked about it last month, that our lives are to be lived out as examples helping others to live the Christian life. Again, Has your wife ever seen you prayed, husband? Have they heard you cry out their name to an almighty God asking for protection and help and blessings and strength? When was the last time your spouse heard you say, thank you, God, for my husband or my wife? When we start to think about prayer in those regards, it changes things a little bit, doesn't it? Causes us to start to question some things, start to wonder a few things. Let me ask you this. Do you pray for your pastor? Many of us would say, yes, I pray for my pastor. Does he know it? And I'm not talking about going up and saying, hey, pastor, I prayed for you. Anyone can do that. I mean, when was the last time you grabbed our pastor and you said, hey, I want to pray with you for you? When was the last time you called him? Please, everyone, do not call pastor on the phone tonight and say, hey, I want to spend an hour on the phone praying for you tonight. You'll be an encouragement to him, but he'll be like, what in the world happened? But you understand where I'm coming from, right? You want to talk about being an encouragement to our pastor? If God puts him on your your heart just sometime randomly during the day, take a few moments, pray for him. Call him and say, hey, I know you're busy. Can I take two minutes, set a timer so that you don't go over, especially if you're a long-winded prayer, and pray for him. Oh, by the way, ladies, when was the last time you prayed for Miss Kelly? When was the last time you put your arm around Miss Kelly and say, can I pray for you right here, right now? Do we truly believe that prayer protects people and prayer changes things? Well, if we do, it's time that we become a people of prayer. Psalm 66 has been called the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament. We could go to Luke chapter number 11 and we could see the passage where the disciples come to them and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we, we could go to that passage and we would know it. But we come to an Old Testament passage that I think the Lord has given us some insight here in the fact that it's been called the, the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament. And we see some things in this passage that really help us to understand prayer and some emphasis and places we should put in prayer. And so for just a few moments, let's look at it together and see what 
the Lord has for us. Psalm 66 verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, How terrible art thou in the works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Selah. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doings towards the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. They did. Uh, There did we rejoice in him. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. Oh, bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life, and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou hast brought us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, but thou brought us out into a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will praise thee my vows which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fattings, fatlings with the incense of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats. Selah. Come and hear all ye that fear God and I will declare what he hath done for my I cried unto him with my mouth and was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, but verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be the God which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Oh, so much in this passage. Even just reading it again, things jumping out at me that I could say uh, we, could, we could spend so much time on. But for just a few moments, let's, let's look at this passage and see a few things about prayer. And, and, and I think we can find in prayer some aspects of our prayer life that we really need to make sure that when we're talking about this matter of prayer, and specifically when we're talking about this matter of prayer in the way that we pray before our children, in the way that our teenagers see us as church leaders pray, in the way that our young kids see us as Sunday school teachers pray, these are some things that we need to have in our lives because these are some things you would agree we would love to see that this next generation of Christians, as they grow and walk in the ways of the Lord, that they would have in their lives, in their prayer lives. I remember being in college and thinking to myself, we were reading books, and as we were reading through these things, reading about generations past of of true warriors when it came to prayer warriors, and and how God moved and worked in their lives. And I thought to myself, I want that. I desire that. I remember growing up as a teenager, and I could take you to our church back home in West Virginia, and I could take you to the pew, I could take you to the spot, I could take you to the place where I could remember men of God. And I could hear their voices calling out to God, even while the prayer was happening from the pulpit. I remember we had moved churches. Our our parents took us, uh, my brother and my sister and I. uh, My brother had just graduated, and so it was my sister and I. and, And the church that we had grown up in was a good church, but there was not as much happening for the young people. And our parents really wanted us to have an emphasis of things. So we had gone... a 
across town to another church, a, a strong church with a lot going on. And uh, I had never been in a church, and some of you have and some of you may not have, where on a Wednesday night, they, they come together and all of a sudden they start to pray and everyone's praying. It can almost be distor- like, what in the world is going on? Because the, the church we grew up in, someone came to the pulpit and they prayed and everybody else was, was quiet. How many of you have ever been in a service where you, you know what I'm talking about, where uh, multiple people are praying in a service? At first it was, but as I grew up, As a teenager, that was one of the most blessed sounds that I have ever been in in my life. I can think of being at Temple Baptist Church in college where every Wednesday night they would gather and during the prayer time, just like we go over our prayer bulletin, they'd go through their prayer bulletin and then someone would come and pray and they would encourage you to to get a prayer partner and you could hear the voices of people lifting up their voice to God as a collective group praying. Man, to think. That our God is so capable to hear every single one of those prayers and influence them and do something about them. That's a great God and that's the God we serve. Here in Psalm 66 we see a few things. Number one, we see in this prayer that it exalts the Lord's name. Look at verse 1 through 4 with me. Look what the Bible says. Make a joyful noise unto God all ye lands. And then look at how the psalmist begins to write about God. Sing forth the honor of his name. When you pray, do you give honor to God when you pray? In the way that you speak to God when you pray, does it give honor to him? Or do you just come to him, ask for your prayer request, say in Jesus' name, and get out of there real quick? Now listen, again, I'm not talking about we know there's some times where things happen and and those are the prayers we have. I'm talking about our prayer lives. I'm talking about that daily time that we spend in prayer. It exalts God's name. Look what else it says in verse number 2 there. It says, make his praise glorious. Our God is a glorious God. And he deserves the glory due his name. We should praise him in our prayer. We should praise him. Think about that prayer there in Mark chapter 11. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's exalting the name of the Lord in our prayer. Dads, your sons and your daughters need to hear you exalt God's name in prayer. It'll mean much. They need to know that the God that you're praying to is the great, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe who created them and formed them and has everything at His disposal. That's the God we pray to. And they need to hear you and they need to hear me. Mamas, they need to hear you. Sunday school teachers, they need to hear you. Saints of the church, they need to hear you call out to God and say, I believe that the God I'm praying to is not some idol on a bench somewhere, but is the true God that can move and work and deserves power and praise because of who he is. He's Jehovah. He's El Shalom. He's Elohim. He was the God that is and is to come. That's the God I pray to. That's the God we believe. I know you all. I've heard you all talk. I've been with many of you and, and had the opportunity to pray with many of you. And I know that's the God you pray to. 
But do our children and our young people know it outside of this building and outside of this place that we truly pray to an all-knowing, almighty God? It's interesting here. Verse number 3, he says, Say unto God, how terrible art thou in thy works. Now we look at that and go, wait a minute, is the psalmist saying God's works are terrible? I don't know about you, but if I would have been around during the times of the plagues, yeah, it'd be pretty mighty, but those would be pretty terrible. Not, not terrifying, not, not horrible in the sense of terrible, but in the fact of someone in this universe has this much power, it's hard to fathom. This word terrible doesn't mean what really has the meaning today. Oh, that's horrible, that's terrible, that's awful. No, 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 the word terrible here has this idea or this understanding that it was beyond comprehension. It was magnificent. It was was beyond fathoming. It it, it was something outside of what we could even comprehend. That's our God. That's His works. Verse number 4 says, All the earth shall worship thee and sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Prayer is worship. Prayer is worship. We should help our young people. And by the way, when I'm talking about helping young people, uh, those of you in this room that maybe you don't directly involved with the teenagers, but but you have a, a young a young family sitting across the aisle from you, or a, a, a young couple that's just sitting behind you or something, they need you to help them. That's biblical. We find that in Titus that that the the aged women should should take the young women aside, and and the aged men the young men, and we should be lifting up each other. This is what we should be doing. This is what we should be doing in our churches is encouraging one another that in our prayer we're exalting. It's interesting here. When God has His rightful place and we begin to see God as He truly is in this manner, guess what we start to see about ourselves? Man, I'm a wicked sinner. God forgive me of our sin, my sin. It's even interesting here, this passage at the very end, the the prayer that says, says, look, if I... Regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. May I remind you, before you ever ask God for anything, you had best exalt His name, and you had best make sure that your sins have been forgiven. Say, well, I trusted Christ as my Savior a long time ago. I'm not talking about coming to a God, asking for God forgiveness. I'm talking about coming to a friend and restoring fellowship. Because the truth is, is we're talking about a relationship here. Many of us have taken that relationship for granted and we've put no investment whatsoever or very little into it. The first thing we see here is that the the name of the Lord was exalted. I find it interesting here in this passage, look with me at the end of verse number 4. They shall sing to thy name. And my Bible, this one I have here that I preach from, it's very interesting. There's a big gap and then there's another word, Selah. Now, many of us who have been in church have heard what that word means. That word selah means uh, a pause. It's, a, it, it's been considered a musical term. It's like our rest in a music where we take a breath, we pause. Some would believe, uh, believe and in fact, the, there are some who out there who, who translate this word, this word instead of selah, they actually translate it to mean intermission, a pause, a hold, a time of thought. You know what we often do too much in our prayer time? We rush through our prayers. We'll praise Him. Thank you, Lord, for this day. You're amazing. You're almighty. Okay, let me get to where I need to be, which is asking you something, because that's what I really need. 
But here in this passage, God tells us that when we exalt the name of God, we should stop and really think about it. When was the last time you woke up in a morning? And we'll talk about this in a few minutes. I'm just going to try to go through some practical tips here in just a second of our prayer lives. But, but when was the last time you woke up in the morning and all you did for maybe within the first hour that you woke up is just praise God and ask for Him nothing? That's prayer. That's a prayer life. Saying to God, you're glorious. Oh, and by the way, I'm not praising you because you've done anything for me. I'm just praising you because you're God. Because you're worthy. Because you're the Almighty. Verse number four, he, he ends it. He says, take some time to think about how you exalt the name of the Lord. Our time of asking and prayer should never come before our acknowledging of who he is. Look with me at the second thing. Don't just exalt the Lord's name, but remember the works of God. Look at verse number five. Come and see the works of God. Here's that word again. He is terrible in his doings towards the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on the foot. There did we rejoice in him. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nation. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. There it is again. Selah. Next question, when was the last time you spent an extensive amount of prayer time only saying, God, thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for my church. Thank you for the roof above my head. Thank you for the clothes on my back. Thank you for the food on the table. Thank you for the provisions of life. Thank you for a job where I can pay the bills. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Even when they're annoying and they're obnoxious and they're loud and they won't sleep and they won't take the nap and they won't take the bottle and they won't stop running their mouths and they won't stop getting in trouble and they won't stop doing those things. Even when they don't want to listen, thank you, God, that you've given me children. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for the music that we have in our church. Thank you for the preaching of the Word of God. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for your son. When was the last time that we spent time in prayer and not ask a single thing of God? When was the last time that your prayer was spent? You know, we talk about people having a hard time praying. I'll tell you why people have a hard time praying. Because we... I'm talking about me too. We, we go to God. We ask our requests. We say one or two of these little, God, you're good. Thank you for this things. We appreciate, we appreciate you. Okay, now let's get to the point where I, I can ask my request because that's what I need. Oh, we make ourselves feel better. Oh, let me ask prayer requests for somebody else and their prayer requests before I get to my prayer requests because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I wonder what would happen if our teenagers and our young children in our church heard us pray. I wonder what would happen if one of our men got up to pray and they came to this pulpit not to be seen, but stood here and 20 minutes later he's still praying, but he hasn't even asked a single prayer request. He was just praising God and worshiping God and thank God. Our teenagers would be like, what in the world? My legs are tired. I can't stand here. Mamas would be like, hush, shh, be quiet. And God would be glorified and exalted. What happened if when we came to one of these altars, when God speaks to our hearts, the invitation just kept going? There was a reason they sang 45 verses of Just As I Am. Because I believe that at some point in time, people have to do business with God. And when we start to truly just do business with God, we have to praise Him for who He is. 
and thank Him for what He's done. We need to get back to where we remember the works of the Lord. I guarantee you, I know Brother Cyrus, I've heard him pray. He thanks God often for his salvation. All of us do. We're so thankful to be saved. But when was with the fact that we started thanking God for the last answer to prayer? When was the last time we, we, we prayed and we just spent time going through our prayer list saying, God, you answered that prayer. You dealt with that situation. You spoke in that manner. You did those things. We should remember the works of the Lord. We should acknowledge not just who He is, but what He has done. And by the way, God tells us here, we shouldn't rush through it. Here it is again. Selah. God, allow me to spend some time where I truly, really dwell on the fact that you have done some amazing, mighty works. Only the works you could do. Number three, in this passage, we we see not only that we should exalt the Lord's name and that we should remember the works of God, but we should pray in faith believing. Now, there's another one of them cliche statements, isn't there? Pray in faith believing. That's not just a cliche. That's the Bible. What's the point of praying and asking God for something that we don't ever believe that he's going to actually move and work? You know what we're really doing in that matter? We're spitting in the face of God. Because we're saying, hey, I'm asking this to you because I don't think you're going to do it. uh, But I know that I should ask you because that's what I'm supposed to do. I think sometimes we pray things because we know we're supposed to do it. But we don't always believe it's going to happen. And then we wonder why. Well, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Because we never believed he was going to in the first place. I don't, I don't think God can break through because I know the person. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, man has free will, and so God's not going to violate man's free will. You're right. But many of you have come to a place in your life where you've come to know Christ as your Savior. He didn't violate your free will. He just held out his loving arms and said, I'm here, I'm loving, I'm kind. And, and we, in our sinful nature, said, I need that, and I want that. When was the last time we prayed for someone truly believing or prayed for a situation really expecting God to break through? Look with me at verse number 8 here. In fact, it's verses 8 through 15. The great majority of this psalm is spent with the psalmist saying, our prayer requests, they're going to happen. What we ask of God, it will come to pass. Oh, bless Our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life, and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, this is interesting, has proved us, thou hast tried us, as silver is tried. You say, well, yeah, he was checking to see if they were faithful. I think that could also be taken in this way. They prayed, God answered. Okay, let me see if you truly believe it. I'm going to send something in your life and I'm going to see if you're going to trust in me. Have you ever looked at your your problems, your trials, your struggles, your difficulty as not some difficulty in life to test your faith, but as to see if God's really going to... God says, okay, you know what? I'm going to allow this to happen to see if they're really going to run to me. I kind of put this to my son today. I didn't even realize it. Uh, Jude was up here for a little while. My wife had to take Ansley. For a, for a checkup in the doctor's office. And Jude was up here. We were in the offices. And I said, hey, Jude, i got to run down to the gym. Do you want to come with me? 
Um, and he said, no, I'll just stay right here. He was doing what he was doing. And I said, okay. Now, I know my son. I love my son very dearly. But from time to time, he's a little bit of a scaredy cat. Don't tell him I said that, okay? Uh, it's just between you and me. He's still seven. He's getting over that. He's getting over it. And I came back up. I had to put some mail on pastor's desk. And so I put some mail on pastor's desk and I shut the door and it kind of shut a little hard. And I heard him. He was watching something on his tablet. Time, took his headphones off. I, I could hear him moving around. I knew exactly what happened. He was worried. He was concerned. So I walked over to the wall. There's, there's a hallway and, and my office on one side, pastor's on. And I just kind of scratched at the wall, kind of made some weird noises. And I heard him kind of get up out of the chair. And he walked, he walked over to like kind of towards the door. I could hear him walking. I said, well, I'm not going to let this go on any longer. So I just jumped around the corner and scared him. He goes, oh, you scared me. I said, I know I did. I think that's what we think of God sometimes. God's just going to give us this trial because he wants to see if I truly trust in him or not. No, sometimes God allows, in our, allows God allows trials in our lives often this is actually the case god allows a trial in our life because he knows that if we'll come to him in prayer he'll stand there with arms wide open and say i'm here for you i'll help you through i'll lead you through i'll guide you i'll help you i'll deliver you god allows those things not because he's some mean daddy who's trying to trick his little kids but that he's a great father who's saying look I can deliver you from anything. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is believe. He keeps going in this passage and he says, uh, he, he, he says, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. Notice what he's saying here. He's saying, I asked of you something, God, and you are going to deliver. You will deliver. You have delivered, and I'm going to give you what you deserve. I'm expecting of you. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices with incense of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats. He's literally saying here, he's saying, look, God, I'm just coming to you, and the prayer requests that I'm going to ask, the prayer requests I have asked, I'm praising you because every time you're God and you prove yourself to be true. Oh, we need to spend some time praying in faith, believing. And when we pray, we had best spend some time really thinking about the fact that when we pray these requests, do we really believe? Look at the end of verse number 15. There's that word again. Don't rush. Slow down. Selah. Man, we could exalt the name of the Lord in prayer. We can remember the works of God in prayer. We have time to opportunity to pray in faith believing. There's a fourth thing here. Praise God for answers to prayer. You know, we do this from time to time. And we do this when, when God does something miraculous. And we do this when we're reminded. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we're ready to thank God for salvation, and we should. But when was the last time that you sat down at the dinner table and you said, thank you, God, for this food, and it wasn't just a habit? It wasn't something just Christians did. But you sat down in true thankfulness and said, I'm so thankful I have a 
steak on my plate, Brother Cyrus. Not, not a salad full of, of rabbit food. When was the last time? Not on a day when you're exhausted and worn out and you've worked, but you've laid down on your pillow and you went, God, thank you for this pillow. Thank you for this old, worn-out bed. Thank you for these blankets. Thank you that I can take the blankets off because I'm too hot and I can turn the fan on. Thank you for the fan. Thank you for the blankets again. Thank you for the old beat-up truck. Thank you for the new vehicle. Thank you it has air conditioning and windows. Thank you for the umbrella that I didn't get soaked coming in from the rain. Thank you, God, for protecting me on my drive to church tonight. Thank you for padded chairs in a church building. Thank you for so much. We've asked for it, haven't we? Lord, give me a good place to go to church. Really what we mean is give me a comfortable place to go to church from time to time, right? Give me a preacher that preaches the word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a pastor who preaches the word faithfully, without compromise, without worry as to whether he's going to step on our toes and he's going to offend us when he calls sin, sin, and he calls what's right, right. Thank you, Lord. No wonder, no wonder this world doesn't want what we have. All they ever hear us do is gripe and complain, and yet we turn around and talk about how great our God is. I, I read it, I was listening to a video, I was talking to Brother Zach about this, um, about Sunday morning's message, when I, I said, uh, you know, I wonder how many, told him, I said, I never said this, I wonder how many Christians have melted the hearts of a lost person in the way we don't talk about our God. How many of you uh, would know if I said uh, Penn and Teller, you know who Penn and Teller is? Yeah, Penn Jillette, they're the, the magicians, the one never talks, the one's really tall and obnoxious. Um, that's who it is. Penn, there's a video, it's been around for several years, where he says, how much must you hate me if you believe that you have the opportunity for me to have eternal life and you never tell me about it? He said he has no respect for people who don't try to win others, or proselyte is the word he uses. When was the last time that you said, thank you, God, for giving me a voice so that I could tell someone else about you? Now help me to take that voice and put it to use. Thank you for giving me a hand to be able to hand a gospel track through the window to the drive through worker. We don't do it. We are the most selfish, ungrateful people in all the world and we have the most to be thankful for. And then we wonder why there's a generation of young people who don't say thank you, who don't say please, who don't say you're welcome to things, who, who are the most ungrateful and rude because they are just watching us. They're learning from us. They're listening well, if you truly believe that God's great, how come I never hear you say thank you other than at the dinner table in a hurry? 
I was convicted this afternoon. I'm, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. Please understand I'm not saying, saying that. I was studying for this message, and I was extremely convicted. Jude and I got home, and I looked at him. And I said, hey, hey, bud, would you pray with me for just a moment? He stopped what he was doing. He's like, yeah, I'd love to pray. Heart was broken. What a wicked dad I've been. What a poor example of the love of God and how good our God is to my son when he was blown away by the thought that I would pray with him and ask him to pray with me. It's time we change some things. It's time we change some things. Lord, teach us to pray. Very quickly, could I just give you some practical things to help you and me be people of prayer? First thing here, start early. Start early. Psalm 63, verse 1. Does anybody know it by heart? You don't have to quote it. I just want to see if anybody knows what Psalm 63, verse 1 says. Would you take your Bibles and turn there with me? Just a few pages over. In fact, I don't even have to turn the page in this Bible the way it's set up. Psalm 63, listen to the verse, verse 1. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Now there's multiple uh, applications to this. I've heard some uh, people say, look, young person, you need to start seeking God early in your life. And I would give a hearty amen to that. Some people would say, when you wake up at the beginning of the day, the first thing you need to do is start seeking God. Now, how many of you are like me and you do a little bit better when it comes to your devotion and your thought processing after you've been awake for a while or late at night? Would you raise your hand? You say, I'm a night owl. Okay, that should not be an excuse for us to wake up and start our day with thanksgiving. Start early. Um, a while back, I, I, I changed. I get tired of these annoying ringtones on the phone. A lot of us use our phones for our ringtones. Uh, how many of you use your phone for ringtones so I see who I'm talking to? Or for an alarm, excuse me. Your phone for alarm, look at me. Okay, majority of the hands just raised here. Did you know... That if you have an iPhone, I'm assuming it's the same for Android. You can change the song out of a normal song. Like you can pick a song from your media playlist. We use Apple Music and have good songs. And you can change the song to one of those songs. Okay. So what I did a few years ago, uh, well, it was, it's been a year now, is uh, Brother LeBeau, who was with us not too long. He has a Sweet Hour Prayer. So I switched my, one of my alarms to sweet hour prayer. I said, well, why did you do that? Because it reminds me when I wake up, I better start praying. Maybe for you, an example to help you start early is maybe you, you're not one. Maybe you're like me who if you have an alarm, you'll snooze it. And if you set one for 10 minutes later, you'll snooze that one too. So set an alarm an hour later and name the alarm. Do you know you can also name your alarms? Name it, big capitals letters, pray. Practical. Alarm goes off. Why is my phone? Oh, okay. I better pray. Encourage someone else. Spouses. Text your, your husband or your wife ten minutes after you get up and they've been out the door for an hour. And I'm not saying which case that is. Some of you know. Some of you don't. And uh, you text them and you say, pray. I'm praying for you. Don't say it if you don't do it. But wouldn't that help us all? Something simple like that. Start early. 
Early will I seek thee in prayer, Lord. Early will I praise her name. Early will I praise the Lord that he's given me breath one more day. Early will I praise the, praise the Lord that I get to see my children's face, even though sometimes it's annoying, and even though they back talk, and even though those things, I get to see them again. I get to see my husband or my wife again. I, I, I get to, to read the word of God again. I, I, I get to spend time with you once again today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're not done with me yet. Pray early. Here's another thing. Pray the scriptures. I have heard this since I was an 18-year-old, and I don't know that I have fully come to grasp the understanding of this. Say, then why are you telling me about it? Because as I am understanding it, I'm realizing there is so much power in this. Say, what do you mean by pray the scriptures? I don't mean just simply praying scripturally. I mean Quote the Bible in prayer back to God. Say, well, what will that do? Well, if you want God's will on a matter, go to His Word. He'll give you His Word. Acts chapter 4, we won't go there for sake of time. Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 26. We see this is exactly what they did when they were delivered out of the hands. They went and they prayed, and then they go and they, in their prayers, quote Psalm 2, verse 2 and verse 6. Not only did the disciples did it, but Jesus himself prayed scriptures. He did. And so, if it's good for Jesus, it's good for me. Uh, and, I, and I'll do that. I, I encourage you to have your Bible with you while you're praying. We all know this. Here, you don't have to keep your eyes closed during prayer the whole time. You say, that's disrespectful. It really has to do with my my approach to God. I think God would be quite all right if we're looking at the scriptures while we're praying to him. Pray the scriptures. It it will be helpful. Think about this one. I I remember being a teenager. I need to get back to this. I, I need to do this because this is what I know God used in my life when I was a teenager to really move in my life. For a period of time... There was a period of time in my life when I was a teenager before every service I would sit down in the pew and I would pray this prayer. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Psalm 119. God, do something mighty in the preaching service in my life today. Pray scripturally. Uh, Pray the scripture. Pray specifically. Pray specifically. In college there was a quote all the time. Nothing is dynamic until it's specific. If you were ever been at Temple Baptist Church for any period of time, you will hear uh, the pastor there say it. Nothing is dynamic till it's specific. Look in the scriptures. Why is it that all those prayer, the prayers in the Bible, find me, I have yet, I cannot find it, find me a generic prayer in the scriptures. You won't. Why? Because our God is not a generic God. He's a specific God. Try him. Try him to be true. Pray specifically. God is a God of specifics. Now this one's going to seem almost at a, a contradiction of the, the last one. Not only pray specifically, but pray simply. Say, wait a minute, you just said pray specifically. I'm not talking about generically. There's a difference between generic and simple. In other words, what I'm saying, God's not impressed with your ornate theological words during your prayer. He wants to hear from you. Just pray simply. It's talking to God. Just talk to Him. Obviously with respect and honor, but just talk to Him. Pray out loud. 
that would seem awkward when you're in a room alone just to pray out loud. You say, why am I praying out loud? It, it helps you keep on track. It helps you stay focused. It helps you keep there. Maybe you're not one who would pray out loud. Here's another idea. Write out your prayers. Write them out. Say, well, that's not praying to God. Show that to me. How does God knows, the Bible says that He's the, the able to discern the, the thoughts and our intents of our heart. I think He would know better if someone's writing in true desire to God, saying, God, I need you, and I need you to move, rather than someone who's saying it but really doesn't mean it in their heart. Speak out loud. Pray out loud. This will help when the little kids are running around and they hear mama and they hear their voice and they stop. They hear their name called out. What, why, did, what, why, was, why did mama just call my name? And then they hear, God, please move and work in their lives. Please intercede. Here's another one. This one is one. Some people will be like, well, that's not for me. Read biographies of Christian prayer warriors. George Mueller, Gladys Allward, Corey Ten Boom. We could go through names. Hudson Taylor. Say, I'm not a reader. No, what you're saying is, I don't have time and I'm too lazy to put in extra effort. Sorry. I'm speaking to myself. I don't read as much as I should because it's, I'm tired. I'm worn out. Well, here's the thing. We have modern technology. It's called audiobooks. They'll read it for you. Listen to them. Listen to them. You want to know what one of the most encouraging things is? Listening how God moved in someone's prayer life. This is why we should share prayer requests one with another. You want to know why we're so scared not to do that? Because we're afraid that if I go to Brother Zach and say, Brother, God, Brother Zach, just, you'll never guess how God blessed me. That, we're, I, that I'm afraid Brother Zach's going to be like... God doesn't bless me like that. I'm a, and there will be some stumbling block or that will, get a, that will offend some brother. If you get offended by God answering someone else's prayer, the problem is you, not God. Keep a prayer journal. I I'm, I'm meant, meant to, to show this and not that I'm an example and I don't use mine nearly as much as, or as often as I should. I'm really bad at it, but I'm trying to be better. In my, my bag right there is a, is a, is a notebook. And I have tabs on it. It's a prayer journal. This works for me. It doesn't have to. You can find, but here's an example of something that maybe help you. I have given each day a category in my prayer journal. Monday, I pray for guidance and long-term requests. So things that I know that it's going to take some time. It's going to take God moving. It's going to be, those are Mondays. I'm laboring those in prayer. Say, well, you don't pray for things. Every day, I'm not capable of keeping up with all that up here. How many of you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but you know sometimes the prayer requests, they elude you with all the busyness of the day. Well, keep a prayer journal and set aside days for specific requests. Tuesday, I pray for my family. That's not my wife and my kids. That's my mom, my dad, my brother and sister, her brother and her sister, the extended family. Wednesday, in my prayer journal... I pray, or try to, I don't do a good enough job of this, it's difficult, I try to pray for the teens on Wednesday. Have each of their name, my prayers for them, prayer requests and things. I also try to pray for the ministries that I'm directly involved in in church. So I help with the audiovisual. I pray for the audiovisual, the needs that the audiovisual has. If you're involved in a ministry, by the way, and you have no clue what the needs of that ministry are, you're not involved in that ministry. Sorry. 
You participate. You're not involved. Thursday, I I pray for our nation. I pray for our president, our vice president. I've been challenged to try to do a better job of praying for our mayor, our senators, our councilmen. I pray for revival in our country. This is just me. Again, I'm not saying you have. Maybe you want to pray on Thursdays for your job, for your employer, for your direct supervisor. Friday, I pray for you all. I have your prayer requests and things and and names of church members on Friday and the things that you're dealing with. And, And what I do in my prayer journal is I write the prayer request down and I leave a space. And if it gets answered, it gets resolved, it gets taken care of, I come back and I write in another pen or a pen color, answered, and the date. And guess what? When I'm going through that prayer list, guess what I get to do then? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you moved in Brother Cyrus's life by giving him clear direction a few weeks ago. Thank you for helping him with that decision. Saturday, I pray for our pastor. I pray for his wife. I pray for Brother Zach. Miss Jess, their families. I pray for the ministries of Gateway Baptist Church. I try to be as specific as possible. I have other pastors and missionaries that I pray for on Saturday. Say, so why do you do that on Saturday? Asking God to give our pastor Holy Ghost power in the pulpit on Sunday, that God would move and work. Say, so Sunday, I'm at church. Say, so you don't pray? I'm praying for the church services. I'm praying for the things here. And then I have a tab that's daily prayer requests. That's my wife and my children and the things I need. You say, well, that's good for you. I didn't come up with it. It's helpful. Go home. Go to uh, TJ Maxx. Go to Ross. Go to Marshall's. And go into the little... Go to five... The stationery section. And you'll find you notebooks for relatively inexpensive. Get one. And I encourage you, make it a prayer journal. For no other reason but to think about the heritage that one day your kids are going through your stuff and they pick up an old dusty book and they, 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 they dust it off and they open it up and all of a sudden they start seeing all these prayer requests where you prayed. And then beside it, guess what they might get to see? Answered, 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 answered. Answered. God is good. He answered that one. Oh, I remember when we prayed for that as a family, when we got down at the altar. And by the way, what I'm talking about here, I'm not just talking about family devotion prayer. If the only time you pray with your, your family, by the way, or the only time you pray outside of thanking God for meals or when you lay down or raise up is when you all do family devotions, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your prayer time. They need to hear us pray. They need to see us be people of prayer. Say, why? What's the importance? Why is it so important? Here's why. Because He's good. And when we don't pray, what we're telling them is He's just not that good. I said it at the beginning. I said it at the beginning. I said prayer is about stopping, slowing down, and spending time with God. Here's the reason why the majority of us don't have a prayer life. We're too busy for God. He's not that important. So much more we could have went over. We could have went to Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse 16 and looked at the passage there. What a great Bible verse. 
You know what, I, I, I think that in the study and preparation for this message and this, this week, that I came to the conclusion of this. For those of you that have kids, you'll understand I believe this. And any of you that have ever had kids, you'll understand this. If you don't have kids in your home right now, or you've never had kids, I think you'll understand if you just take, take it and think about your life. You ever been sitting on the couch, relaxing? And a young one comes up, they just nestle up to you, jump on the couch, and they just want to find that place close to mama or close to daddy. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you're a cuddler, as they would say. Some of the husbands in here go, ugh. But you just want to cuddle near and, and be close and dear. You want to know that the little kids come and they, they get close. And I say, hey, what you need? I don't need nothing. I just want to spend some time with you. Sadly is the majority of us, our prayer life is, hey, daddy, can you do this for me? So that when we come and actually should just be coming close and getting close to God and saying, I just want to spend time with you. It's shocking to us. Because for a moment, if we were honest with ourselves, the prayer lives that you and I have seen in the generation before is probably very similar to our prayer lives. If you were to, to, if you were to evaluate your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put your prayer life? But again, I ask you this question. If that is all your Sunday school class, your children, church member, that's all these teenagers will ever have as a prayer life. Does that make you happy? Does that give you hope? Or does it make you, like me, want to come to this altar and just get on my face and beg God for forgiveness? Because the truth is, is if all those young people will ever be is what we've showed them, we've really represented our God really poorly. Would you bow your heads with me? Praying. Miss Heather's coming to the piano. I want to challenge you. In just a moment when she'll start praying the prayer, the altars will be open. Please don't rush up here and rush right back. But I believe, if we'd be honest, we'd say we've got some business to do. I don't want to embarrass you, but how many of you would say, John, you've said something tonight that has got me thinking, and I, I need to do a better job of being an example in prayer. Would you just pray for me? Would you raise your hand? Praise the Lord. My hand is raised with you. As the piano plays, I encourage you to stand to your feet. Take this time. Why don't you come? Grab your spouse by the hand. Husbands, lead the way. Encourage. Encourage.